Well, I'm so glad to be joined by our seven campuses all around Chicagoland, as well as those that are joining us online all over the world. We're in the conclusion of our current series called Courage Calling. We've been in the book of Joshua for those that are joining us maybe for the first time, and I have the privilege of sharing with you about what it means to pray bold, courageous prayers. But before we get into that, um, I think if we're going to talk about prayer, we probably should, should pray. Is that all right with y'all? All right. So let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word today. Thank you so much for the fact that um, it is literally a privilege to be able to stand before your people and proclaim your word. We've prayed and we've planned, but God, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way so people can hear what you want them to hear. And we pray it in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to invite you, if you have an electronic Bible or a Bible in your hands, wherever you are, to open the Bible to Joshua chapter 10. We're going to be camped out there, but I'm going to highlight some things in chapter 9, as well as a couple other verses. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I want to ask you all a question, particularly for those who call themselves Christ followers or or Christians, wherever you're gathered, I want to ask you a question. What did you pray about last week? If I had the ability to stream your prayers on the screen for the next few hours, and we just hung out for a little while together, I want to ask the question, what did you pray about last week? Did you pray that, you know, the Lord would give you a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend? A, did, you, did you pray that the Lord would provide a house in this crazy market? Did you pray that maybe God would do something, maybe eliminate your boss because you've had it with them? Did you, did you pray for that wayward child that maybe isn't following Jesus Christ? What, what did you pray for last week? Did you pray for a new car? And of course, you have to start with God if it's your will to make it sound spiritual. But did, did, you, did you pray for a new toy that you wanted to have in your garage? I, I don't know what you prayed for, but here's what I think. I think if we had the ability to play those on the screens, what we would find is the vast majority of the world's problems would not be solved if God solved their prayers. I would imagine that most of our prayers are individually focused, and there's another group that's here gathered together today, and I want to say a very special welcome to you. Maybe you're not following Jesus Christ, and someone welcomed you to come to church Willow Creek, we love guests, don't we? We absolutely love guests. And I, and I want to say a special welcome to you. But if you're here, you, you probably didn't pray at all because maybe you're not seeing God as someone who could fulfill the needs in your life. And I hope that by the end of this presentation that you will. But for all of us, as we've gone through this series, I've been challenged because the world is looking for solutions. The world is looking for boldness, and the vision carriers of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ should be some of the greatest and boldest people, and yet oftentimes we're some of the safest in our prayers. And it brings me to 
a reality that I've been grappling with in this series. It's a reality that I hope that each and every one of you hold on to. But before I share it, I want to tell you when a moment that prayer came alive for me. It was a, it was a sunny South Florida evening, and our small group had gotten together. We lived in Miami for almost 10 years, and I'll never forget that we were studying the book of Mark, and I could see Madeline's face. Tears began to come in her eyes. She looked absolutely distraught. And Madeline opened up and she said, I don't know what's going on, but right now I feel like I am under spiritual attack in the middle of this small group. As you could probably imagine, my training hadn't really prepared me for spiritual attacks in small group. I mean, we're probably just getting together, just studying God's word and and seeing what God's word has for us. But we were in Mark chapter 2, and we saw four men that brought a paralytic to Jesus. And in that moment, I said to everyone that was sitting there, do you all believe that Jesus can heal Madeline? One of the guys said, yes, yes, Ed, I believe. I was like, okay, there's one. There is one. And then everybody else started to say, I, I believe that too. Well, do we believe the scriptures as they have been written? Yes, yes, we believe it. And so the Lord led me to do something that would require bold faith. I said, well, then you all pray and I'll join in. And what happened after that is I saw faith. I love young adults and I love being around young adults because I love to see what God does through them in their prayers. It's funny what happens as we age in life we tend to get safer in our requests to God. Have you ever noticed that? All the old people are going, no, no. But I have absolutely noticed that. We don't pray with the same level of boldness that oftentimes we do in our youth. That they proclaim and ask God, God, would you heal Madeline? Would you, Lord Jesus, heal her immediately just like you did the paralytic? I saw boldness. I saw a willingness to enter into their friend's situation. And then what happened, as sure as I'm standing here before you, only God could do. We looked up and Madeline's face looked completely different. And she was smiling and she said, I don't know what just happened, but whatever you all prayed, I don't feel under attack anymore. I feel peace right now. That is the power of God in bold prayer. And one of the things that I've been learning in this series is this truth. The courage in my prayers reveal God's position in my life. The courage in my prayers actually reveal God's position in my life. And so today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 10, and I want to give you just a little highlight and background to give you the context of where we are. It's a beautiful map that the team put together that I want to show you the region that we're talking about. The last few weeks, we've been talking about Jericho and Ai and how God empowered Joshua to get victory. And Pastor Dave um, shared so eloquently over the last three weeks. I encourage you, if you didn't get a chance, to go back online and check it out. But the actual battle that we're studying here today has been studied for generations. 
You see, Joshua attacked from the center of the country and moved on the way out. And many war colleges still study what he has done. And we're looking at Gideon, the story of this people group. And what's interesting that happens as we get into the text today is chapter 10 begins with one of the kings realizing that God has given Joshua victory in these other two cities of Jericho and Ai, and he's very afraid. So he goes to other kings in the region, and he says, listen, guys, we need to get together because we have a moment that we can attack Israel through the people of Gideon. And so go with me to the word of God. We're going to start in chapter 10, verse 5. And this is what it says. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jermuth, Lachish, and Eglon, they joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and they took up their positions against Gibeon and they attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. Houston, we have a problem. There are five kings that are lined up and they have attacked Gideon. Gideon was an amazing city. It was larger than Ai. It was a very strategic outpost. And in this moment, we see they are in need, and they are begging, calling on Joshua to actually help them. Which brings us to one of the first points that we have today. Big problems present big opportunities. Big problems present big opportunities. You might say, Ed, well, who in the world are these Gideonites that were asking for help? Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you asked. You see, the reality is Gideon was written about in chapter 9. And what we find out in chapter 9 is they decided, hey, we're not going to come anywhere close to defeating Joshua. So what we need to do is we need to deceive and trick Joshua into a peace treaty. So here's what they did. They got together. They put on old tattered clothes, old shoes. They took moldy food and they came destitute in front of Joshua and said, Joshua, we know who you are. We've heard of the battles that you have had in Jericho and Ai, and we agree to be your servants. We'll do whatever it is that you want us to do. Just don't kill us. It's not a bad request. If I were them, I probably would be thinking the same thing. And so Joshua decided, we're going to cut a peace treaty. And along with the leaders of the community, they got together and they decided that there would be peace. I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to it in a little while. So here we are. We see this and we see that big problems often bring opportunities. But here's the thing. I want to ask you this question. When you face big problems, what do you do? If you're like me, can we be honest? I don't often go immediately to God with the problem. I like to consult other people that I trust. You know, I like to talk to our small group and ask them for prayer, 
I like to go to YouTube and Google it, find out if I can get the answer. I I just want to do all of these things and use the gifts and abilities that God has given me to get the answers. Is there anybody else that's like that? Thank you for the 13 people that are honest in God's house. But here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. The gifts that God has given us are okay. But what's not okay is to begin not consulting him. Bold prayers begin with consulting God and placing him first. And I've been so guilty of not doing that. But you see, what I know about God is bold, bad problems are a breeding ground for God's glory. He gets glory because everybody knows that you didn't do it. Everybody knows that you couldn't do it in your own strength. When I talk about bold prayers, I'm talking about prayers that scare you when you pray them. I'm talking about prayers that may not happen in your lifetime. I'm talking about prayers that you know that you've never prayed before, but you're trusting God for his best. Because courage in my prayers reveal God's position in my life. And it leads me to the second takeaway today, that bold prayers require bold actions. Look at the text in verse 7 of chapter 10. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Wow. You might want to just underline that in your Bible. Don't be afraid. I've given them already to you. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. See, the march from, to Gilgal was 3,300 feet. I don't know about you, but if you're carrying armor and you're marching 3,300 feet, I have not marched that long and that far for anyone. I ran a marathon, but I was not marching. I was running, and I didn't carry my armor. 3,300 square feet, eight, it tells me eight to 10 hours it took them overnight to make this march. Joshua and the men put in work. I love this famous quote by Thomas Edison, opportunity is missed by so many people because it's often dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. I thought about putting that on the, just the walls of my teenage children, but my wife decided against that. But opportunity is often missed because we don't understand that it takes work to move toward bold prayer. It reminds me of a group that often asks me to pray. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I pray for them once, and I don't pray for them um, anymore, this particular prayer. It's single men who ask me to pray for a mate. I know, don't look at me with judgment. Let me just tell you what I mean. Guys come to me and are like, Pastor Ed, I'm just wondering, man, can you just pray for me? I'm just waiting for God, just waiting for God to bring a woman into my life. Well, where are you waiting? Is the question I asked. Are, are you in church? Are you in a small group? Uh, have, are, you, are you in prayer? 
Do other men circle around you and help you to grow to be the man that you want to be? Um, Brother, do you have a job? Single ladies, where you at? I mean, it takes work to get somebody because you need to work on yourself to make yourself a person that someone else would want to be with. Amen? It's not a hard, deep question. But I want you to see how Maya Angela puts it. Courage is the most important of all the virtues because of this. Without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. I think, friends, there's something I want to make abundantly clear with you today. At this moment in time, God reveals his loyalty. He tells Joshua, you don't have to worry about a thing. I got this. I've given the battle to you already. See, when God actually speaks, he speaks in terms of things that have already been done. He's not sitting on the throne twiddling his thumbs wondering, can I win this battle? Can I be with my, with my son Joshua in the battle? I just don't know. Joshua, what do you think? No, he tells Joshua, I am going to be with you. Don't fear. You already have won the battle. Earlier, I told you that chapter 9 presented a challenge. And the challenge reminds me of this phrase that my pastor, when I was a kid, used to say. He said, sometimes the enemy is in a me. Sometimes the reason why we don't pray bold prayers is because the problem is with us and not with God. And there's a verse that just struck me this week in chapter 9, verse 14. The Bible declares, so the men took some of their provisions, but did not seek counsel from the Lord. Wow. Is there anybody other than me that has often not sought counsel from the Lord? Yeah, just rested on our laurels, did what we thought was great and awesome. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, not too good. And we find out that's exactly what Joshua and the men did in chapter 9. And that's why they ended up making a peace treaty. Get this. I want you to see this. Listen. Sometimes we trust in what we see and not what God has already proclaimed. Sometimes we trust in our experience of God, and we don't trust what God may have for us that we don't know. These men trusted in their own eyes. They trusted the words of strangers before they trusted in God. And before we throw shade on them, Willow Creek, I believe that COVID has been a breeding ground for bold prayers. I feel like that God has given us the opportunity to face the music in the reality of what we do. See, I'm a pastor, and and, and I get a chance to, to share and serve you along with so many others. And I love our staff team and, and our pastors. But what's interesting to me is we oftentimes can trust in our strategies more than we trust in God. 
See, too often we've trusted in our strategies, but we've been left with very little substance. And COVID has turned everything upside down. And now we're asking God, God, what is it that you want to do in our church? What is it that you want us to do and pray? What is the bold proclamation of the gospel that you want us to bring? I love being able to look for bold solutions. But it begins first with God. And look what happens in verse 10. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And the more of them died than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. I want you to see something that's amazing in this text. God himself gets involved in the battle. It's almost as if he can't help himself but to actually respond to the faith that Joshua and the men have in taking battle. But there's something else that I want you to notice. Something that is, shows you about the nature of God. In chapter 9, we saw that Joshua was deceived and the men with him trusted in themselves more than they trusted in God. And in chapter 10, we see God still remaining faithful despite their mistake. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God is not a punitive father. God is not a punitive father who, who stands in rebuke and judgment of, of you. God is someone who wants you to know that he is for you and that he is there with open arms to forgive you when you make mistakes, when you sin, when you come back to him and say, you're first. He is there for you. Is there anybody here that can attest to that in your life? Amen. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you need to know that God's got this. Your family, God's got it. I'm struggling in my marriage. Hey, God's got it. You, you, you don't know where to turn in your job situation. Well, God's got that. God is not at all absent in your circumstances, he's calling you to call on him in bold prayer in ways that you know that if he doesn't show up, it won't happen. Because the courage of my prayers reveals God's position in my life. Which leads us to the last point. I was walking around the building just a few days ago with Pastor Dave. He's just been blessing me in this series we're just talking about some things. And we landed on this last point. I think it's the secret of the entire series. And I want to give it to you this way. Courage grows faster when we're marching with an enemy. Not in the enemy. We're, matching, we're, marching, as, we're marching as a army together. I see courage growing so fast when I am not alone. I love the fact that Joshua himself was not alone. He was fighting with the men, 
But something amazing happened in the text. See, they had gone all night and they had been fighting all day, but night was coming and the battle wasn't over. I could preach a whole message on that phrase right there. That night is coming, but the battle is not over. And something happened that was amazing. It hasn't happened ever in history since this moment. Joshua noticed that he was in battle and he needed help. He needed to pray a bold prayer. He needed to ask God for something that he had never asked him for before. And get this, he asked God for something that he had never heard about before. Look at what happens in the text. In verse 12, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, get this, son, stand still over Gibeon. And you moon over the valley of Agilon. Are you kidding me? Joshua just proclaimed to the sun and to the moon to stand still. Don't move. We have some work to do. We're chasing the enemy and we have to take them down. God, I need you to show up in a way that I've never seen you show up before. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that place where you need God to show up in a bold way? If you haven't, it is difficult to believe that God can actually do it. I don't believe in it for one moment that Joshua in this prayer had doubt. I don't believe Joshua in one moment in this particular prayer had a question about the prayer that he made. Because we've seen him growing up in the text every chapter of God working on his behalf. He asked for the sun and the moon to actually stand still. Maybe he was thinking about the words in verse 8 that God told him, don't be afraid. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will withstand you. See, friends, something happens when we remind God of his promises. Something happens when God himself is moved to join us in the battle because he's always there. Look at verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on all of its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jazar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. I want to challenge us as a church as I prepare to close over the next 30 days. I want to challenge us, no, not to get to battle and march all night, even though you might want to do that. But I want to challenge you to begin to pray bold prayers as a church. See, we're beginning to dream at Willow Creek, and I cannot wait for the fall. In fact, the month of August, we have set aside as a church committed to prayer. You're going to hear a lot more about it. 
Why? Because we believe everything begins with prevailing bold prayer. Amen? It's not about us. It's about God. So I want to challenge you to do something. If you have a smartphone, can you just take it out? Wherever you are, for those that are driving, please keep your eyes on the road and just listen to your brother talk to you online. But if you have a smartphone, take your smartphone out. I want to ask you to do something for the next 30 days. I want to ask you to set your alarm for 242. It's from Acts 242. I just want you to set your alarm for 242, and I want you to take five minutes out to pray a bold prayer to God. This is between you and the Lord, but I just want you to set your alarm over the next 30 days, and we're going to trust the Lord with you as we pray our bold prayers. And in August, we want to share with one another what has God been doing in these bold prayers? How has God been moving in us through these bold prayers? 242. You may be wondering, Ed, why are you so um, excited about prayer and bold prayer? Why, why are you so adamant? Why are you so emotional about it? Well, thank you. I'm glad you asked. Um, I want to share with you why. The first verse that I ever memorized as a Christian was Isaiah 41.10. Fear not because I'm with you. Be not dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I memorized that not long after what I'm getting ready to share with you. It was a November evening. I got back home from high school, and I went into the house. There was no food in any cupboard or in the refrigerator. My dad worked at John Deere. He had been laid off. Unemployment benefits had stopped. Six children, a wife, and no food. I remember my dad going around the house and looking for cans and bottles. We lived in the state of Iowa, had deposits, 10 cents for a bottle and five cents for a can. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. We got those cans and bottles, put them together with the $3 that my dad had, and we went to the grocery store. My dad walked proudly into the grocery store with the bag. His head was high, and so my head was high as a young man. I'm gonna do what daddy does, because daddy's got my back. And as we were turning in the bottles and cans, I remember seeing the faces of people as we uh, were doing that. And my dad went to get some 99 cent, not orange juice. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some bologna, which I still can't stand to today. And a little pack of cinnamon rolls. And he said, you probably won't eat tonight, but I want you to serve the family. Because I want you to see that God will provide. We prayed over that little meal like it was Thanksgiving, y'all. I'm not making it up. And he said, God will provide. And when he said that, there was a knock on the door. Who's knocking at the door at dinner time? 
So I ran to the door to see what was going on and opened up the door. And all I remember seeing, church, was groceries all on the porch of food. See, at the time, I wasn't as spiritual as my dad. I just want to grab the bags and let's get going. We got some dinner that we need to get to. And daddy said, "Uh, wait a minute. Everybody come to the front door. I want you to look at how God has provided. Now, boy, get those groceries and get them in the house. I don't know what bold prayer that you need to pray. But I do know that there's a group of people that are here today who don't know Jesus Christ. And I want to give you the privilege to pray the boldest prayer you've ever prayed in your life. See, God, in Romans 5, verse 8, said God wanted to show his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And maybe you're here and, and you don't know Jesus and you realize, Ed, I want what you all have. I want you to know that we've been justified by his blood. And that's the reason why and how we're saved from the wrath of God. And so this little prayer that I'm going to pray, there's nothing special about the prayer. What's special is who you're praying it to. We're going to trust and pray a bold prayer together. And if you're here and that's you, I want to challenge you right now to do something bold. Just right where you are, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hands all over the auditorium. I see. Thank you so much. I want to pray this prayer with you. And I'm asking you all that already know Jesus Christ to pray. This is a moment in time that you'll never forget that God has saved you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And I'm a sinner. And I believe that your son, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins. And today I ask you to come into my life and help me to be more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, church, the heavens are opening right now for these who have said yes to Jesus Christ all over our campuses. Praise God for salvation. That's the reason why we do what we do. I'm going to be around afterwards. If some of you that raised your hand would love to just connect and just say hello, we would love to do that. We want to give you some things to help you in your journey with Jesus Christ. And for those that call Willow Creek home, let's stop praying safe prayers. Let's stop praying prayers that we can predict. And let's start praying bold prayers that Jesus Christ, he can do it again. He can do it in your life. He can do it in your family. He can do it in your community. And indeed, he will do it in his church.